everybody. Welcome back to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. And today, this first full day of summer, I am joined by my show's co-host and producer, Joe Armstrong. Hello, Jessica. Happy summer to you and yours. One of my favorite days of the year. But we've got Supreme Court news to talk about. Let's jump right in. Today, there was a decision coming out of the Supreme Court, so we're going to talk about a unanimous Supreme Court ruling that could have big implications as for whether college athletes can be compensated in a manner similar to professional athletes. So, Jessica, what were the plaintiffs in this particular case, and what were they arguing? Plaintiffs are former college athletes who argue that these restrictions that the NCAA places on education-related benefits that colleges can offer to its players are not okay. Meaning NCAA, you can't put these restrictions on education-related benefits to Division I athletes. Now, what do we mean by education-related benefits? We mean uh, anything from music and science equipment to laptops to paid internships to scholarships for graduate programs to study abroad programs. It includes a really wide range of things that could be an incentive for colleges to try and lure top high school athletes. And they said these limits violate antitrust laws by impermissibly hindering competition. So even though it sounds like, oh my gosh, it's a sports case, and as everybody who's listening knows, not my wheelhouse, it's actually about antitrust and whether or not these rules hinder competition. All right, Jessica, and on the other side of that case, the National College Athletics Association, the NCAA, was the defendant. What was their argument? So they're obviously arguing the reverse here. They're saying we need to allow these limits on education-related benefits that colleges can offer their college athletes, their students. And the NCAA said the restrictions are needed to preserve the amateur nature of college sports, something that we heard a lot when we listened into the oral arguments, the Supreme Court oral arguments. They talked a lot about how grand and important it was to preserve this amateur nature of college sports. They said that fans prize students' amateur status and that giving them these benefits would turn fans off, that basically fans would say, eh, you look like a professional, I'm not so interested in watching college sports anymore. And they said that without the restrictions in place, these lines between college and professional sports would be blurred because, again, schools would try and use basically everything at their disposal that's an education-related benefit to try and get the best athletes to come to their school, and that these benefits really could add up to tens of thousands of dollars. Right, Jessica. And we know that college sports is a multi-billion dollar industry, regardless of whether or not those athletes are being paid. I know for a fact, having done research on this, that in some of the smaller, more rural states, college football coaches can be among the most highly paid people on any payroll anywhere in that state. So we've heard the punchline, Jessica. What was the ruling? What was the number? And how did the court get there? Yeah, as you said, a unanimous ruling by Justice Neil Gorsuch. And how did the court get there? They concluded, of course, that the NCAA cannot enforce 
these rules that restrict education-related benefits that colleges offer athletes. Again, what are the benefits here? Graduate scholarships, paid internships, tutoring, study abroad, music and science equipment, computers. So this is really a case, as I said, about the reach of antitrust laws. Gorsuch wrote that the NCAA tried to get, quote, immunity from the normal operation of the antitrust laws, and they are not entitled to that type of immunity. So it was a pretty, as I said, it's a unanimous smackdown of what the NCAA had argued in this case. All right, Jessica, it's crystal ball time. What does this mean going forward, right? We don't want to oversimplify this, but are college athletes going to get paid in the future as a result of this decision? So this is, the, uh, I think, one of the big questions going forward. And it was actually a fairly narrow case in the sense that the argument wasn't about whether college athletes could be paid in general. And the argument wasn't about what I understand to be the next big issue, which is whether college athletes can make money off of their names and likenesses. And of course, if they can, that could absolutely dwarf any education-related benefit that they can get from their schools. So what's interesting, though, is that in a concurrence, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who, as we all know, coaches girls basketball, we know that because he talked about that a lot in his confirmation hearings, that Justice Kavanaugh wrote separately and said, basically, NCAA, what on earth are you thinking? You can't act this way. Why aren't you paying these athletes fair market value? I'm generalizing a little bit, but he essentially wrote to former college athletes saying, could you please bring a challenge? Bring that bigger case to me. And it's interesting because sometimes you do see justices explicitly saying, I think there's a new question here and I think that we should address it. Now, the majority didn't go that far, but it's Justice Kavanaugh who's saying, I, you know, I'm open to the idea that other NCAA restrictions on compensation for student athletes might violate antitrust laws. And that's really his way of inviting a challenge on that next big issue. Here's a portion of the decision. He says, nowhere in America can business get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. There's a lot of other similarly strong quotes in Justice Kavanaugh's concurrence here. But I think in a year or two, we probably will be talking about that big question, can college athletes be paid? All right. If it comes back around, we will talk about it on the Passing Judgment podcast. As we opened up today, Jessica, it is June 21st. We said happy summer already, so I hope everyone's got a barbecue in their future, a safe one, vaccinated is the way to go. So usually the Supreme Court wraps up its term around now with all the final decisions from that prior term. What is left, Jessica? What are we looking at hearing about? Because there are two more decision days this week, which by itself is somewhat unusual, is it not? Well, it's not necessarily unusual for the end of the term. This is when things really heat up the last about week and a half of the term. Now, there's nothing in the Constitution that says you have to finish this term by June 30th, but the court almost always does. I believe last year when we first started the podcast, the Supreme Court didn't because things were pushed back as a result of the pandemic. 
and they had pushed off a lot of their oral arguments and they wanted more time to write. And frankly, they weren't going anywhere anyway. I mean, part of what happens is the justices are ready to start their summer vacations as well. I mean, there's a little bit of schools out vibe, I think, in the courthouse, particularly when they're there. So what's left? There are a couple of big cases left. We've talked about this case out of Arizona dealing with voting restrictions. Then there's the case I've called the swearing cheerleader, or some people call it the cussing cheerleader case, where a cheerleader posted something on social media that included a swear word. She was punished for that. The question is whether or not her public school administrator can punish her for that off-campus speech. There's another case uh, dealing with labor unions and land use. Uh, Another case from California dealing with disclosure laws. One of the really big things I'm looking for, of course, is what the decisions are in those cases, but how broad or narrow the decisions are. It's like peddling in a um, cliche at this point to say that Chief Justice John Roberts is an institutionalist and that he likes small incremental rulings. But I think that's a stereotype because in a lot of ways it actually is true. I mean, he does push the law in directions that he wants it to go, but he also has a fairly narrow take in some ways. I think look at last week's decision dealing with the Fulton versus City of Philadelphia decision that addressed whether or not a religious foster care agency had to adhere to the city's anti-discrimination law and place kids with same-sex couples. The court came to a unanimous decision. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the majority in part because everybody was kind of unhappy in the sense that conservatives, I think, wanted to go bigger, overturn a case from 1990 that they view as not protective enough of religious rights. And liberals probably didn't want to go as far. Um, You know, also from last week, we saw probably Chief Justice John Roberts maneuvering behind the scenes a little bit to come to a decision where the big Affordable Care Act case wasn't decided on substantive grounds, but instead was kicked for procedural reasons. There have been a couple of these unanimous decisions, more narrow decisions. You know, going forward in the next week, Joe, the question really will be, I think, are we now in the era of the rest of the term will be the six to three decisions. And so that's going to be something that I will be looking for as we wrap up this first year of the Passing Judgment podcast. And that's our big show. Thank you for all of your insight, Jessica. It's so valuable, and I love sharing it with our listeners. You can find Jessica on Twitter and Instagram at Levinson Jessica. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and elsewhere at In-Depth Day. That's short for Independence Day, T-apostrophe-S, my music podcast. Go give us a listen sometime. You can find this show's podcast on Twitter at Pass Judgment Pod and on Instagram at Passing Judgment Pod. And with those big decisions coming up later in the week, you're going to hear more from us. So we look forward to that. Have a great day and happy summer, everyone. Thank you.